0: On the earth. Thank you. Father, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to people, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive this back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters do the same thing to them and give up, threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness and the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith which you, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, several things I want to uh, draw from this morning. Great, great reminders for us. Um, it talks about in verse 4 fathers do not provoke your children to anger uh, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord I feel convicted that the Lord is speaking directly to me when I, when I read this verse um, you know with teenage children and uh, with a house full of children um, it's hard not to get provoked you know uh, to get angry myself it's hard not to provoke my, my children Um, You know, there's a couple things, a couple observations I found, no matter how difficult you think your children are at home, they're actually pretty good people outside the house. You know, Um, everything in the house just seems amplified, you know. And so I'm often very, very encouraged because at home the guards are down. The guards are down say or do what you really think you know there's some wear and tear but then when you go when the kids go out they actually believe it or not whether it's from school whether it's from church whether you know they 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 know how to kind of function and so it's always a great i always get this encouragement outside of how great uh you know the kids seem to be to them you know if you ever get a chance just as a reminder if you ever see parents and kids just go to the parents it may not be the reality or the truth of everything, but if you see a child doing something, you know, somewhat pleasant or behave, just say something encouraging to the parents. I think, I think it'll go a really long way for them. I think everyone kind of needs that encouragement. Um, couple, couple tidbits here, I think that can apply whether in a work context, whether in a, a, a relational context, whether it's family, whether, you know, with your own parents, um, siblings, friends, house church, there's a lot of, you know, spiritual familial ties, uh, uh, ministry, leadership, context. Um, I think in general, when it comes to uh, relationships, it's a lot has to do with communication. And so I'm sure you all know this already. Um, most researchers will say, you know, like 80% of communication is actually body language, right? So 20% is actually what is said, and then 80% is how you say it your facial expressions, your, your tone, right? Tone, your body language, you know. So, so there's, I, I guess, I don't know, you know. Uh, in one sense, you got to be aware that what you say and how you actually say it are two different things, right? Um, you know, to be self-aware. But then also as, as spiritual leaders, I, I think, um, you know, being able to read uh, where people are trying to come from uh, you've been in a house church, right? You guys have been in a house church and you know, someone can say, oh, my week was okay. But really, you know, by their mannerisms and things, you know, something's not okay. Um, so, you know, I do premarital counseling, pre-engagement counseling, and a whole chunk and section of all the things that we can talk about in marriage, and all the things you can talk about, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of marriage, all boil down to this incredibly full of wisdom. Five weeks, you know, one whole, you know, lesson or one one fifth of that is all on communication, um, and it's incredible. Uh, I have a. I went to a church planting intensive network for about five weeks in New York, uh, and there's a guy there by the name of Jay Kyle who actually just recently passed away. Just an incredible man of God planted churches in Mexico, Asia, all over the world. In the last maybe 15 years or so of his life, he was dedicated working with Redeemer Church of helping raise up church planters like, like myself and and uh, uh, Pastor uh, Ricky in Shanghai, uh, Pastor uh, Hyunsu in Beijing, Pastor Sophia in Tokyo all went through this uh, uh, network intensive course. Um, and he said after... The program itself, city to city um, which, which is a church planting network, they have a manual like this thick that they go over in five weeks and pretty much to about a 90th plus percentile, they can, they can help church, young church planters all over the world, uh, uh, you know, succeed, do well. And I thought, wow, that's incredible. I mean, to have a manual and a teaching I mean, like, who doesn't want that book or that manual uh, to a, a relative high degree of success? Um, you know, a lot of church plants fail. A lot, of, a lot of ministries fail. A lot of pastors, you know, fail. Um, and so I took the course and all that, and, and then I figured out why they have such a high percentage, you know, for all the people that come through. They, ha- they have a really rigorous filtering process. And this guy, Jay Kyle, his job, Literally, after all the interviews, after all the assessments, after all the reviews and all that, literally his job, about 10 minutes, is just to sit down with the husband and the wife over, over a conference call. And he told me, within 10 minutes, he can tell whether or not a couple's going to make it, as, as church planters. I'm not, I'm not we're talking about marriage or a or business venture, as church planters. And he literally just asked a few questions, but he's just observing um, and so communication is, 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 uh, is huge. Um, one of the lessons in my premarital counseling course, um, it gives you a role play between two couples, the same two couples, and it kind of gives you this role play. And um, the difference between the two uh, is simply that one asks questions and one presupposes. So there's any given situation any given situation, I mean, just pick pick anything that happened yesterday at work or, or at the cafe or some random service person or, or at church, right? The difference in communication is one person assumes, reads the room, reads the situation, makes a conclusion. And then when they dialogue, it's just why, why this, why that, why this, why that? You know, like, like this is what I saw, this is what happened. And the other dialogue in the role play, the... You're asking questions. You're, you're inquiring. You're trying to get to the bottom. So here, here are a handful of things that I've learned, whether in, in ministry, whether in family, whether in, in house church, you know, a, as, a, as a discipler, whether eggic, uh, various courses, um, you know, every once in a while I get someone in my class that's really in opposition, like just doesn't agree with anything that I say, but more so it's in opposition with God. I, I've come to figure that out, by the way. Anyone, you know, generally speaking, good-natured, I, you know, I, 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 I kind of tell myself that I am, right? Generally speaking, good, good-natured, uh, when there's conflict, I, 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 the first thing I do is, is there conflict with me, you know, San Kim, nice suburbs guy from, from OC, or is it my title? Is it, is it what I represent? You know, and so I find that 99%... Of any opposition against me actually is opposition against the title. I mean, think about this for a second. It's, 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 not, it's not rocket science. Even in Jesus' time, he comes, he comes only bearing good news, he comes only bearing love and healing. But then at one point, he proclaims to be a representation or a representative or the very manifestation of God Himself. What does humanity do? They literally kill him, right? And, and this is my oversimplified interpretation. If I'm living 30, 40 years, disgruntled, upset, um, you know, uh, discouraged, or feel like God hasn't, this is just general humanity. I'm, I, you know, I'm not, we're, we're not, you know, we're not, don't, don't take persons, it's general humanity. And then God, if there is a God, comes down um, like. Like, you have an opportunity to manifest. You have an opportunity to communicate. You have an opportunity to act. Um, and so, I mean, the very fact that God came in love and then humanity, just, just very straightforward, very straightforward interpretation, took that opportunity and crucified him. You know, it just, it just goes to show what, what is in the heart of man. You know, whether we were there or whether we were there or not. Um, and so, you know, if you're in a position of leadership, sometimes you have to figure out, you have to figure out to not take offense or to not take it personal. Sometimes it's the title. Sometimes it's who you represent. And if they could, they would take offense and say or do something against God, but sometimes they can't. And so, the, honestly, one of the things I've learned is the closest shot you got is a, is a person who represents spiritually leadership. Does that make sense? Right? Right. Um, Anyone who's had uh, father issues, this is, this is scientific, researchers, right? If you have father issues, you have authority issues. It, it's, there's, there's, it's very simple, right? So if you, have, if you have father issues, biological, relational, then generally speaking, that plays out in the workplace. Generally speaking, that plays out in, in all sorts of dynamics. Um, and so here's a couple just phrases that, are, that have worked really well for me. You know, especially when it comes to communication, I, 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 you know, I don't assume, I, I'll, sometimes I do and it gets me in trouble. But here are some phrases that maybe you can practice at, you know, during the day or during the week or so. Maybe there's a situation right now in your work and it's not, you're kind of stuck, right? Um, you know, I often try to repeat what I hear, especially if I don't understand it, right? If I, if I really don't get it, I really try my best to repeat it, you know? And I say, do you mean to say this? You know this is what you said this is what i'm hearing do you mean to say this and i try to say it in a different way um another phrase that i say a lot is what i hear you saying is that 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 right this is this is this is like gold man when it comes to marriage and stuff right what i hear you saying is this is this what you're saying do you mean to say this or can you help me understand this right that's quite humble that's quite that's that's a lot of questions being asked um, and so that, that's, that's some keys. Maybe I hope the Lord, you know, if you need to utilize that somewhere in a conversation in your workplace or in, in home or family or, or friends even. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I read a passage. It says, provoke one another to love, outdo one another in love. Uh, and then I showed this photo of uh, uh, someone who is in isolation because of quarantine. And then we had uh, uh, all, this person had a full table about that table filled with uh, uh, noodles and, and sweet and sour pork and you know, things like that. And um, I just thought that was a really good picture. It was one person, and uh, there was a little bit of miscommunication, so actually two people ordered. Uh, but I just thought that was hilarious. This is a huge picture of how much love, literally, physically, can be given. Uh, don't be on the defense when it comes to love, be on the offensive, right? Don't be on the defense, be on the offensive. Provoke. You know, seek out, outdo, be intentional. Uh, one love one another. Um, in verse 9, it says, there is no partiality with God. And so, you know, people sometimes will look at this, and I have to remind people the difference between uh, prescription and description. When you read the scriptures, I actually talk about it in my EG classes, every, every discipleship course. Um, you have to have the whole council of scriptures You can't take one passage out of context. And so, you know, the argument here is, oh, the Bible and God supports uh, slavery. Uh, It it does not. If you look at the whole of scriptures, it does not. Um, But is the scriptures relevant? Does it speak into a given time and context? Absolutely, it does. And it says even here in the verses that, that God doesn't see slave or master differently, that there's no partiality. And obviously at least in the United States, in American history, the whole movement of uh, 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 abolishing slavery came out of God-fearing, God-loving believers. The Bible is is the source for human rights. The Bible is the source of free will and being made in God's image. People who understand God and love God and then understand free will and being made in God's image are the ones who then are advocates for those whose rights are being infringed upon right, the imago Dei, the image of God, every man created equal in the sight of God. I mean, when you have an encounter with God and you realize how broken and how sinful you are and how unworthy you are, and yet he gives you a second chance and gives you grace and freedom, then you look at someone who's in a plight or in a situation who's being unjust, unjustly treated, how can you as a God-fearing and God-loving you know, man or woman not see the inequality and the, and, and, the, and the unfairness towards people? It just doesn't compute, Right. And so, yeah, God is not for slavery. He understands in a fallen world and as a result of sin, slavery, whether to an earthly master or whether to, you know, Satan or devil or death, right? He has come to free and lose all these things. So this is not a prescription. This isn't God saying, go out and, you know, create a whole industry of of slaves. Um, God shows no partiality. You know, the human nature, I think for us to be aware is that we do take sides. Our, our inclination, our, our kind of like, like, you know, we're just, we're just kind of made in that way, right? Our sin nature, you know, there's, there's a choice between A and B. There's a choice between black and white. How, you know, I mean, I am who I am. How can I not have a preference? How, how can I not have a side? Um, and so not having a side is actually countercultural. Not having a side is actually counterworldly. Not having a side but only having God's vision is actually supernatural. To see two people in conflict with each other, to actually have a preference, which we all do, we're not saying we don't have a preference, but then to actually be partial, not to take a side, is nothing short of supernatural. There's a conflict in your house church, there's an argument between two people, one person you like, one person, for whatever reasons, not your preference or style, Naturally, you're inclined to... You, you don't even have to hear the argument. How many times have you not even really fully understood the argument, but you've already sided with someone because that person is someone that more akin to your likeness or your preferences or... You know, you know what I mean? So, you know? Um, and so I just want you to know, not taking a side or being... Or, or, or showing no partiality is actually supernatural. It's actually spiritual. It's actually something that only God... Um, the whole... Uh, uh, <laughs> Chris Rock, Will Smith, The Slap, you know? I mean, within, within hours we were talking amongst the staff and we already had sides, the, the battle lines were already drawn. I support Will Smith, I support Chris Rock. And then we had some nice, you know, uh, uh, I, I'd like to think very just, just, you know, oh, matter of fact, no, no, no personal. Um, but the last two years, if you were to ask me some of the defining characteristics of the, of the pandemic is, oh man, clear battle lines clear battle lines man no grace you're, you're you're either with me or you're my enemy there's like like there's no this like middle ground you're either for my safety or you're actually against my safety what what do you mean against your safety like i'm out to get you <laughs> you know so it's crazy um so uh there's a huge church I, I think it's in brooklyn brooklyn tabernacle uh, pastor by the name of td jakes some of you guys may have heard him uh, Denzel Washington is uh, quite outspoken about his faith and so he called him up the very next day had him in front of his whole like, mega church 30,000 member you know, and had an interview um, and so Denzel Washington actually said this in front of the church he says you know, people always want to take sides um, and he said this it's like taking sides is like basically asking yourself so who do you want to condemn that, that's what he said so, so who do you want to condemn you want to condemn and judge and bring a verdict on, on Smith or you want to condemn, bring a judgment and bring a verdict on, on Rock, um, you know, both flaws. Or do you want to resolve and move this thing forward, right? And so I, I just thought that was quite telling, like, partial, like showing partiality actually is being on the judgment seat. Being on the judgment seat is God's job. I mean, it doesn't sound that way, but the way he said it, it was so telling. So who do you want to condemn? Who do you want to condemn? Who do you want to condemn? Oh, well, I can tell you 10 reasons why I think Will Smith, you know, blah, 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 or, or you know, Chris Rock. And so I just thought that was quite interesting. It reminded me of this quote from uh, uh, Billy Graham uh, I, I say it often, and I think it it, it bears reminding. Um, it's God's job to judge. It's not our job to judge. Anyone in your house, church, anyone in the church, it's God's job to judge. And on the ultimate day, on the ultimate final judgment, you leave that up to God. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. Okay, You don't have to strong arm or persuade or, you know, Fandangle, whatever, anyone. Holy Spirit, you pray to God. Holy Spirit, you change my father's heart. Holy Spirit, you change my child. They need an encounter with you. If they have a truth encounter with you and a revelation manifestation of you, how could they not respond? Holy Spirit, you need to show up. You need to come. Our job is to love. Our job. You want to know what your job is in house church? as a, you know, ministry or, or, you know, volunteering. Our job is to, is to love, to give grace, to, to be mercy, merciful, to be gracious. Uh, God's job to judge. Holy Spirit's job to convict. Our job to love. Uh, so let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. Have you been sitting on the seat that only God sits on in terms of judging people, their character, their heart, their intentions? Uh, Have you been showing partiality? Right? Are there, uh, I don't know, certain people you avoid at church? Or in your house church even? You know, like in a small group of ten? Or there has to be a specific or certain circumstance in which you'll come to house church. But if it's not that, you won't go. Right? Uh, Where are you showing partiality? Who? Um, Are we treating all peoples equal and fairly? You know, service people, uh, domestic helpers. Um, I, I'd like to do a whole teaching on domestic helpers. You know, they, they need their days off. They need uh, uh, humane work hours, you know, nine to five type type things. Um, and so, you know, uh, where, where are we showing partiality? Uh, let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. Where do you need to literally get off the seat of judgment and come on, you know, boots on the ground and meet people where they're at? Um, lastly, this morning, I'll just close with this. Uh, I, you know, I love this passage. Uh, it talks about the armor of God. And as a child, as a teenager, when I learned this, for probably a good five to six or seven years, every morning almost, I would wake up and I would physically go through the action of putting on the armor. So I would wake up in the morning and I would go through a prayer and say, Lord, you know, give me the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the boots of peace, the helmet of salvation. And I would literally, literally take about five or six minutes going through the motions, putting them all on, you know, going out literally to battle. Every day was a battle. And I'm not going out there without my armor. I'm not going on the battlefield. What soldier would go out on the battlefield without their equipment, right? Ridiculous, right? Can you imagine an army in a boot camp and front lines and you wake up and everyone's geared up and you're coming out in your pajamas like, hey, what's up guys, you know? Um, yeah, so, so spiritually speaking, I knew the enemy is lurking in every corner. I, I want to be right with God. I want to be holy, filled with the Spirit. And so I would, I would go through this. So just a quick reminder this morning as we, as we close. Um, hey, if you want to know why, let me remind you. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Right? You might be exerting all your energy, emotions, even holding your breath blue, And fighting using your physical strength, using your intellectual wit, and it's getting you nowhere. Literally a complete waste. Or you might get there, but have expended, you know, 10 days when it's something that could have taken two or three days in the Lord. Okay? You need to know where the enemy is. doesn't matter how much ammunition or how much, you know how, how uh, uh, excited you are or how much fervency you got for a fight. If you don't know where the enemy, you're just expending, expending, expending a shot in the dark. Um, our enemy is the forces of darkness. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. These things are real these things are real right uh, there are forces behind what you can't even see 10 times bigger or even smaller but somehow impacting everything we're doing you know our, our reaction at least everything we're doing in the physical uh, we're we're not you know spiritual babies right we we, we are mature sons and daughters And so this is a great reminder. Uh, So verse 13, take on the full armor of God, the full armor of God, not partial armor, not your favorite armor, not the one you're good with. I'm really good with a shield or I'm really good with boots, so I'm really fast. The full armor, because the enemy's tactics are not one-sided or one-way. They're, they're, you know, they they come from all different dimensions. Uh, Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth. You have to have truth in any given matter you have to know the truth of what God thinks. The moment you don't know what God thinks and you just think what you think or we think what others think or we think what the world thinks, you're already off compass, you're already off 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 the mat, you're, you're already off off the rails, you're already off off the road, you're, you're somewhere in the woods. You're somewhere in the woods trying to use shadows and, and you know, whatever you know, types of mechanisms to you know, find your way. Put, uh, uh, you got to have truth. You have to know the scriptures. You have to know God's heart. You have to know what he thinks on any given matter. You have to know what he thinks about you, what he thinks about that person. And then you have to go from there. You can't leave that up to experience or gut feelings or, or you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a good people person. Um, you have to have the breastplate of righteousness. Live righteous and holy. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with clean hands and a pure heart live righteous, live right before God, don't let there be any blatant, unchecked sin or disobedience, right? You have to have that, you, you can't, you know, it's, it's like uh, being in a boat and having a hole in it, right? You're, you're, you're pouring out water, but water is constantly coming, you got to go to the source, right? You can't hack at the leaves, you know, you got to go to the root, right? It doesn't matter how, you can, you can hack at a thousand leaves, the leaves are going to keep growing, you got to get to the root, Right, so you got to make sure you're walking in obedience. You got to make sure you make sure there's no uh, blatant or disobedience or sin. It, it's just counterintuitive. It just doesn't make any sense. It's just a complete waste of uh, energy of of, of you. Um, have your feet preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, have this mindset of peace. You know, be a peacekeeper, a peacemaker. Uh, ask for God's peace in your thoughts, and then when you see people in situations in conflict, you know. Instead of choosing sides and and, and provoking, uh, how, how can you show God's grace? How can you bring peace? How can you bring reconciliation? Take on the shield of faith. Able to extinguish some or just the big flaming arrows. It says able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. On any given situation, the devil says this, the devil says that, the devil says you're not worth it, the devil says you made a mistake, the devil says you're going to fall. In any given situation, the shield of faith sees God's vantage point, not ours or the enemy's. And it's able to extinguish all the attacks of the enemy. Uh, lastly, and take on the helmet of salvation and the word of the spirit, right? We are saved by grace, by Jesus. Uh, Understand the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, have a grounding in the scriptures. Remind yourself, practice this, put on the full armor, and I'll add one more. It's not in the scriptures, but given our context, I would say, don't forget, when you got all your armor checked, your boots, your belt of truth, breastplate, your righteousness, your shield, your, your helmet, your sword, don't forget to put on your face mask of edification, right? These days, you won't go anywhere without your face mask. Face mask of edification, which filters out the virus of hate, of negativity, of putting people down or thinking people down. But instead, speak in love and blessing. Um, I think if Paul were in our times, he probably would have added uh, a face mask to that whole thing. Uh, Filter out. um, Ask God to give us, you know, his heart. Ask God to see to give us His sight for every son and daughter. Uh, so let me just close this morning. Who, who can we encourage this week? Who can we edify and build up uh, by words? Uh, this morning, be encouraged. Um, be encouraged as we remember Good Friday, Passion Week, that Jesus, our Savior, loves us so much. He always chose to see us. In love. He always chose to see us in the best light. He always chose to believe that no matter how sinful and how far away we were from God, that God somehow through His power would be able to bring us all back to the point where even those adversaries, those who came against Him, those that came to literally put Him on the cross, He even chose to see them and ask the Father's forgiveness towards them. Man, If the church could see how much God loves us and adopt His heart for us, and then if the church could then adopt that heart for others, it would change the world. That's the battle. You wake up this morning, that's the battle, that's the line that you have to draw, right? To see people, and love people the way God sees them, to see yourself and to love yourself the way God sees you, or to work and walk in the deficit of that knowledge and then to try and make some sort of, you know, patchwork to carry you through the day. Something else to motivate you. Something else to make you feel better. Right? And so let the Holy Spirit remind us this morning that God sees us in the best light in Christ. He loves you. He has a vision for you. No matter how rough your week was, no matter how bad a mistake you made yesterday or last week or last season, He still sees you in the best light. He he, he can't see you any other way other than in this best light. That is the God that we worship. That is the God that we love. That is the God that we're loved by. This morning, spend some time reminding yourself how loved you are by God. And then when you get to that place, go out and start loving other people, right? Billy Graham said, It's God's job to judge, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. This week, today, it's our job to love. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's respond in worship.